0: So, we're going to finish up our series, Poured Into, uh, today, and um, this is kind of getting towards the end of our our year theme around being poured into, so uh, we're going to end with one particular element that is really important, it's kind of a tool that we have when we think about encouraging others and pouring into others, and that is the tool of our speech, our tongue, what we say and, and how we speak. I was um, in youth ministry for a while and was teaching some junior high students on this tool of the tongue, and uh, so I went out and bought a cow's tongue and put it in a black plastic bag so they couldn't see what it was, and uh, passed around, I said, this is a a tool or a weapon, and uh, they all felt it, and they were like, what is this thing? Some of them, you know, were holding it up to their faces, not knowing that it was a cow's tongue. Um, So, I thought of buying a bunch of cow's tongues and passing them around today, but I I didn't didn't quite get to it. Um, But just have that image in your mind. The tongue is a powerful tool, and um, it can be something that, that God can really use to bless and to encourage. When we talk about encouraging others and blessing others, the tongue is a very powerful tool. So, we want to spend some time thinking about that. Would you open up to Proverbs 15, verse 4? Proverbs 15, verse 4. If you need a bible raise your hand and we'll give one to you. We'd love for you to be able to look at, along at this script, scripture. It's it's a, just a short little passage. We're going to actually be uh rolling through a lot of scriptures um today and I'll put a lot of them up on the board, but you can put your thumb on this one, Proverbs 15:4, and it's on page um 369 that we're going to be that we're going to be looking at there. And <clears throat> it simply says this. In the ESV, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And actually, you know, there, I love the ESV, but this is one place where, um, as I just poked around in, into the Hebrew and, and looked at some other translations, I really like the footnote there, uh, which actually says a healing tongue is a tree of life. That's probably a more appropriate translation, and you'll see that in some of the other uh, versions. A healing tongue is a tree of life. Um, it does have that sort of medical quality, whereas gentleness doesn't carry that, that sense of, of healing that's, that's an important element. And that also ties in well with the concept of the tree of life. The tree of life has that healing orientation to it. We see that in, in the very end of the scriptures in Revelation, that the healing comes from, from the tree of life. And so um, isn't that amazing that right here in this moment, we see the power of the tongue even connected to something so great as the as the tree of life. What I want to talk about this morning is the power of words. First of all, I want to do a little bit of theology of word, okay? So we're going we're to roll through a few scriptures about that talk about how God uses words, what words are to God. And then we're going to translate that to our human relationships and talk about how words um, can be powerful for positive in our, in our human relationships. So first of all, a little theology of words. Words are powerful. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you walk into a room and you flip the switch, or sometimes the switch is on automatic. You come into the room and the, the room lights up immediately. There's, a, there's an operative force there that brings light into that room. And, I, and that image helps me when I think about the power of God's word. Because in the very beginning, God spoke. He said, let there be light. And, and He created through His Word. That was the way that He brought things into existence out of nothing. God created by His Word. And this is a powerful truth that ought to kind of sit, sink deeply with us. And then, as if to reinforce the point, when we turn to the New Testament at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word. In reference to Jesus Christ. So, the two most important things that have ever happened in this world, ever in all eternity, creation and redemption, are a result of God's Word. That's the operative force bringing it all about, God's Word. And you can roll through the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you'll see this kind of thing over and over again. Jesus healed. And he performed miracles by his word. The centurion said, said uh, but just say the word. He said to Jesus, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. He knew the power of the word. Um, we're cleansed by the word, John 15, 3. Already you, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Wow. That's the power of God's word. We're taught that life is sustained by it. Man does not live on bread alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's what sustains us day in and day out is the word of God. All, everything that is in existence now, if, if God were to let go of his, of his sustaining force, it would—it would, I don't know what would happen, it would disappear. God sustains us by his word. He prevents uh, us from death. John eight fifty one. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You see the power of word. Words are powerful. It's how God gets things done. And our words are important too. So that we, we come to a passage like Proverbs fifteen four, And we see the tremendous importance of words. A gentle, a healing tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Or that idea of crushing the spirit. Another translation says the spirit is crushed by harsh words. By perverse words. So there's tremendous power ...in our words. And, and, and I love the connection, I mentioned it already, to the tree of life. I mean, this, if you didn't know how powerful your words are... ...you know, this ought to really reinforce it. Because you go, where does the Bible talk about the tree of life? Well, it talks about the tree of life in, in the very beginning, in Genesis, in creation. And then you fast forward all the way to the heavenly city in the very last chapter. So the second chapter and the very last chapter... They're bookended by the tree of life being the sustaining feature for human beings. And isn't it mind-boggling that God would say that your words tap into that same power? Your words can be like a tree of life sustaining and ordering and healing the people around you. That's how powerful Words are, and then Paul picks up this thread in Ephesians four twenty nine, do not let any unwholesome speech come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. First um, Peter three ten, for whoever desires to love, excuse me, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, and his lips from speaking deceit. See. The power of life is attached to our words. And then, if we were to go to the book of James, you know, we would hear about how the, the tongue, such a small feature, and yet it's like the bit in a horse, it can drive this huge animal. Um, it's also like the rudder of a ship, such a small little element of the ship, and yet the entire ship is steered by that rudder. Uh, and, and, and it's also like the spark of a forest fire it's it's just that one little bit that can result in this massive massive blaze that blaze that is the tremendous power of the tongue words are powerful derek kidner wrote a commentary on the book of proverbs and it's a short little commentary if you like the proverbs or if you're one of those people who has a real trouble getting into the proverbs because it sort of jumps around and you can't focus and you know i recommend this short little commentary by derek kidner um, he just He just knows how to sort of cut through all of the nuance and get to clarity and bring to life. He says this about this this passage the heading is words colon life giving comma death dealing you couldn 't think of a better summary words colon life giving comma death dealing this is the power of our words. Some of you probably saw Joy Luck Club, uh, the movie. There is a scene in that I read a description. I did see the movie long ago, but um, I had to refresh my memory on, on this scene. In the award-winning film The Joy Luck Club, one little girl has the capacity in her own words to see the secrets of a chessboard. This special gift enables her to become a national chess champion by age eight. Her only liability is a driven parent, who is both envious of her daughter's gifts and selfishly using her to fulfill her own ambition for wealth and power. At one point, the little girl dares to speak back to her mother. The woman responds first by giving an icy silent treatment, and then by saying to her daughter, and this is, this is, this is, these are the words, this is, this is hard, you are nothing, you are nothing at all. This is how the little girl describes what happened next. What she said to me was like a curse. This power I had, this belief in what I'd been given, I could actually feel it draining away. I could feel myself becoming so ordinary. And all the secrets that I once saw in the chessboard, I couldn't see anymore. All I could see were my mistakes, and my weaknesses, and the best part of me disappeared. Death dealing. The words of life or words of death. And that would be crushing, you know, if we didn't have the hope of the gospel, right? Because probably we have all used words in the way described in, in that clip from the Joy Luck Club. We've all said things that we shouldn't have said. We've all demeaned people, reduced people with our words. And when we really get in touch with that, it's heartbreaking and crushing to our spirit as well. And so thank God that we have the gospel. We have the forgiveness of God. We have the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That we do not have to be crushed by our former sin and failure, but there is hope for us, and not only is there forgiveness, but there's hope for how we can begin to use our words then to bring life into other people, and that's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about, speak words that bring life, and I know we're going to fail at this, Um, I read that Joy Luck Club, and and I think about things that I have said, and I just wonder how many times I've been crushing to somebody's spirit. And it's almost overwhelming to really sit with that. Um, But thank God for his grace. And we just have have to come confidently and boldly to the throne of grace and receive God's forgiveness. And then to think, hopefully, that we can grow as people who begin more and more, who learn more and more to speak words that bring life. And how do you do that? Well, A few ways to think about, a few ways that God works in us to transform us such that we become people who speak not death, but life. The first one is to purify the source. Purify. God purifies the source. If you think, uh, well, when I go down to San Diego and I drink the water, I'm from San Diego originally, and I go down there and I drink the water and it just tastes awful. If you've been to San Diego and you've had the water, I mean, the source is bad. It's the Colorado River and it's way way far away and it goes meandering and I've I've canoed down the Colorado River and it's nasty when you get down to those parts and I'm thinking this is the water that I'm drinking. I don't know where they get it from exactly, but the source is bad. Okay? And then I come here and you turn on the tap and it just it literally runs in a straight line down the Maculme River straight across the plain there, and then comes right to our tap. I mean, it's glorious, you know, from the Sierras, and it tastes so good. I don't know if you feel this way, but I'm so thankful for our water here. It's so pure and good. Go to San Diego, and you'll be thankful, too. Um, and so the source matters, right? And, and there's something about that with, with our words, too. What comes out of this part of the tap is connected to the source, which the Bible tells us is our heart Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In Matthew 12.34, Jesus says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you say, well, how do I fix my heart? And on some level, you can't. You need God. This is, this is the great thing about talking about our speech. Speech is one of the things that drives us to the Lord because it's so hard to get right. And we need desperately to work at and to to allow it to break us and humble us so that it drives us to God to be able to, to, to address the issues that need to be addressed. And so when you find yourself saying things and you say, oh, I wish I would not have said that. And you can't sleep at night. I don't know, am I the only one who has trouble like this? Um, when you can't sleep at night because you said the, the thing that was harmful, you know, and you, you let that drive, let that cause you to ask the right questions. What is going on at the source that is coming out of my mouth in this way? God, and, and, and don't just ask yourself, ask God, say, God, what is it? that's going on in in my heart that's so broken that words are coming out in the way they're coming out. And Lord, would you begin to do a work in my heart to change me and grow me so that the words that come out are words of life and of love and of goodness. And, And just allowing your speech to be that kind of humbling force in your life Will open up new pathways of spiritual growth, spiritual growth in the dark places, and a lot of times when we're speaking, when we say you know hurtful things, it's because so often I mean there's a whole list. What is it? Insecurities that we're dealing with, and so we're trying to to address our own insecurity by saying the thing that will I don't know bring somebody else down or, or make us look better or something on that level. So so there's a deep thing inside of us that's broken. Or maybe we're filled with bitterness and so we're saying the hard thing or the painful thing or the harsh thing to somebody because deep inside of us is a kind of a bitterness that we haven't dealt with. Or maybe it's just simply a lack of love that that has taken root in our hearts and, and we just, we've just forgotten that we're, we're meant to care about people and to love people. And, and, and that lack of love is resulting, the source is resulting in impure things coming from our hearts. That moment is actually really good when you recognize that. Because it's a moment of hope and growth. Because now you know, there's something in my heart. I know it by my words. There's something in my heart that needs to be addressed. And we can go to God, and we can go to the gospel. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. The gospel. The gospel of God's grace speaks into every one of those broken aspects of our heart. Every single one is spoken of, spoken into by God's grace, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are insecure, know that the very one who made this world died on the cross for you. There can be no greater statement about your worth and your value than that, so stop being insecure. And once you deal with that, then, you know, the source is beginning to be purified and what will come out will be different. If you're bitter, know that, that, that Paul writes, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. To wait on the Lord. And, and at some point we've got to go to the Jesus. We've got to go to Jesus. We've got to understand that He took into Himself all the sin of this world and that all the reasons for our bitterness have been dealt with on that cross. And we can trust God in His justice. And we can let go of the bitterness that we're harboring and give it to God because He will be faithful to deal with it. And when that happens, the source is beginning to be purified. And the words that come out will be new. There'll be words of life rather than words of death. And those are just a couple of examples. It goes on and on and on. Whatever it is that's at the source that's impure and resulting in harsh words and hurtful death words can be dealt with by the gospel. But it takes you and I being humble enough to see it and to get on the pathway of growth and to ask God to help us to speak into our lives To heal us with his words that are part and parcel of that same tree of life that God wants so desperately for us to feed on. So the first one is to purify the source. If we want to speak words that bring life, we we purify the source. The second one is we practice restraint. And I'm just going to rattle off some verses here because um, God's word will speak in and of itself. Um, as we think about these, and, and maybe one of these verses will just sort of zap you, and maybe in that sweet, convicting way that God has of changing us and transforming us. Right? Um, Proverbs seventeen twenty-seven: A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even tempered. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: He who answers before listening that is his folly and shame oh how many times do we jump on each other's sentences how many times do we answer somebody's point before they've even gotten it out yet because we think we know what they're all that they're going to say and this proverbs tells us to wait let all the important information come out before you start speaking Just let it come out. And then you can respond. Using restraint removes unhelpful emotion, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And some of you remember from your families of origin or the family that you're presiding over now, that once the harshness gets in there, it's like a spiral, and everybody gets harsh, and it just it just heats up until it boils over. And, and, and that has to be stopped at the beginning, right? Using restraint has a kind of inherent power to it. Proverbs 25, 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. A gentle tongue can break a bone. So much of what we want to do in life is we want to move people. We especially want to move the people who are close to us and make them better for us, right? That's what we want, desperately. And so we go about it in harsh ways and hurtful ways instead of being patient and going to the Lord and praying, praying for the people around us, for God to do a work in them just as he does a work in us. Restraint makes you look smart. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. So look at that. <laughs> Calvin Coolidge. Nothing I never said did me any harm. Which, actually, I don't entirely agree with him on that. Because sometimes you do have to speak. Sometimes you got to speak. But... His point is that there's a lot of stupid things we're going to say that if we didn't say them, it wouldn't do any harm. So purify the source, practice restraint, and then this one will catch you by surprise. Look for the apples. Look for the apples. Proverbs 25, 11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in in settings of silver. I've pondered this a lot in my life um, to try and figure out how it is that we can speak the right word at the right time. And there's some element here, and the the Proverbs don't fully bring this out because we haven't really gotten to the New Testament yet. But I know there's a, a really huge element of the Holy Spirit in this process. And there's an element of waiting as well, of, of being slow. It's, it's almost like the flip side of restraint is giving you space to wait so that you can discern what the good word is and what the right word is. And we know, living on the other side of the coming of Jesus Christ, that we have this holy we have the Holy Spirit who is moving and moves in our hearts and lives to make possible sort of the enlightenment that we need to be able to say the word that's fitting in the moment. And so I think of this this term, creative dependency, for myself. Like, if I'm going to try and say the right word, it requires of me some sort of creative dependency on God. To wait till God gives me the words that are going to be Life-giving and not death-dealing. And, and there's, a, there's a creativity in that that needs to maybe be developed and, and catalyzed by God. Um, this is, in some ways, mystical stuff. How do we know what the right word is in the right moment? But I do know this. There, there needs to be a heartbeat between our listening and our speaking most of the time. And that heartbeat needs to be filled with prayer. God, what, do you, what would you have me say? An ear tuned in to the Holy Spirit so that even as you're speaking and in dialogue and relationship, you know, Brother Andrew talks about practicing the presence of God while you're going about your life, while you're doing the things you're doing, you have an ear tuned in to God and you're prayerfully approaching and you're saying in the middle of your speech, God, what is it? that you want me to respond. What is the, give me a word of life. Give me something to say that will be helpful and good and true and life-giving. And just that posture of waiting can make a radical difference in your life. Just that posture of pausing and waiting, restraining and listening can make a radical difference in your life. Larry Crabb wrote a book called um, "Encouragement," and in it he tells a very personal story. I'm going to read a summary of it. He recalls an incident in the church he attended as a young man. It was customary in this church that the young men were encouraged to participate in the communion services by praying out loud. And feeling the pressure of expectation, the young crab, who had a problem with stuttering, stood to pray. In a terribly confused prayer, he recalls thanking the Father for hanging on the cross and praising Christ for triumphantly bringing the Spirit from the grave. So his theology is is all backwards, and and you know how um, scary that can be in front of people to get your theology wrong. When he was finished, he vowed, he would never again speak or pray out loud in front of a group. At the end of the service, not wanting to meet any of the church elders who might feel constrained to correct his theology, Crabb made for the door. Before he could get out, an older man named Jim Dunbar caught him. Having prepared himself for the anticipated correction, Crabb instead found himself listening to these words. Larry, there's one thing I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you 1,000%. Crabb reflects in his book, Even as I write these words, my eyes fill with tears. Of course, now you know Larry Crabb is somebody that you know, has ministered to lots of people and you know, from that humble beginning <laughs> um, uh, has ministered to lots of people. He says, Even as I write these words, my eyes fill with tears. I have yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking. Those words were life words. They had power. They reached deep into my being. God, help us to speak words of life. First of all, we just want to tell you that we're sorry for all the death dealing that has happened through our words. Right now, we, we're, so, we're so blessed. We get to say, I'm sorry. And we get to know that you forgive us because of your work in Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you for forgiving us. And we want to tell you this morning that we want to get on the path of growth and learning and, and becoming people who deal words of life, not words of death. L- lavishly in our relationships, to, to just spread it thick in our relationships. We want to deal words of life. So, so we're asking you, Heavenly Father, to purify our hearts. And we don't mean that in a condemnation kind of sense. We mean that in a health kind of sense, that you would come alongside and do your healing work inside of us to eradicate insecurity and bitterness and lack of love and whatever else besets us in that deep place, in that residual of who we are. Would you apply your gospel, your healing balm, to bring transformation? And God, we invite you to teach us how to restrain our lips and to speak only when we need to. And in so doing, to listen to the Holy Spirit who would guide us into saying things that are life-giving, to practice creative dependency upon the Holy Spirit each and every moment, to have one ear tuned to you day in and day out when we're in conversation, to listen for your small voice guiding us to the Scriptures and the ideas that would give life rather than bring destruction. So Lord, we commit ourselves to that work this morning. We commit ourselves to you this morning and thank you for your forgiveness. We love you and we are grateful for who you are in our lives. We're grateful that you have spoken your words into this world to transform us. That we might speak words to transform others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.